Welcome to Burna's Hot Take, where we discuss self-defense tactics, tips, and trainings so that if the time comes, you are prepared to defend. Today is part two of Luan and I's discussion on Andrew and the Law of Self-Defense's review of some of the Burna products and Burna in general, and really our attempt at clearing up a lot of the just kind of wild inaccuracies and out-of-context uh, you know, reviews of those products. So today we're going to discuss uh, some of the 12 gauge uh, as well as just some some really, you know, just inaccurate descriptions and, and, and inaccurate uh, reviews of the products. So here we go with part two. Kinetic, less lethal 12 gauge round. So I guess this is not an OC round. It's just uh, an object, a kinetic object that would strike someone. By the way, you think if it struck someone in the head, it might cause death or serious bodily injury? I mean, I don't know, but I know beanbag rounds that strike people in the head have killed them. And this thing doesn't look softer than a beanbag round. So in this particular clip, he's obviously talking about how our 12-gauge kinetic rounds may cause death or serious bodily injury uh, if struck in the head. And we can tell you that that is absolutely not the case. Once again, he clearly hasn't done his research. Um, you know, we, we have tested, not only have we tested these ourselves, but they've been sent to an independent lab to assure that they are not going, and they're not even close to causing enough injury. They're not even cl- uh, uh, close to causing enough injury to, enough force to break a rib and sternum. So if I can't even, if it's not even going to break my ribs, it's not going to be able to lodge itself directly into you know, the hardest bone in my body into my skull and cause any kind of serious bodily injury or, or death. So, uh, you know, once again, I really wish we could have had the opportunity to talk because this is just not the case. Yeah, and if you look at some of the quote-unquote human testing, volunteers who sign a waiver and you see the damage that it does to the flesh, you know it's delivering an intense amount of uh, velocity and force to incapacitate. But in, in none of those areas where we saw severe bruising, was there helmet to the body or, you know, loss of blood in any, you know, extreme amount that would lead to a fatality. And so, you know, if he's going to come at an organization or a company or a brand, just be better educated. And and he and you know and he compares it to the beanbag and the beanbag the twelve gauge beanbag round drag save last beanbag that law enforcement's been using for a long time and the beanbag has done some serious damage but it's designed completely differently and we took that into account when this round was designed the beanbag round is much heavier and imparts a much higher level of force for a much shorter period of time so the beanbag round's only effective out to you know twenty five feet but twenty twenty five feet before it just starts dumping so much of its energy it's just really not effective I mean it, you're literally throwing a bag of you know just a bag of weight uh, in yeah. a in a sock down so it's just it's not there's no it doesn't have great ballistic coefficient it's not very efficient moving through the air our round our round imparts a very uniform amount of force from the muzzle all the way to its effective range because of how efficient it flies through the air. So there's not this big peak in force like you see with the beanbag round. It's kind of this solid linear amount of force. So um, that speaks to its ability to, whether you're point blank or whether you're you know, 60, 75 feet away, it's going to continue to carry that, that force. And this has been tested all the way to point blank without being able to... Uh, well, I have skin. a steel metal door here in Las Vegas with, you know, at least 50, 100 dents in it that looks like a golf ball. 
from shock from you know long distance. And anyone that's seen that thing uh, hit knows that it's going to deliver a tremendous amount of force that will, you know, I think dissuade someone from continuing their attack. But the but but once again, it's able to do that from you know, I mean, that door is seventy five feet away from your office or so, and yeah. but it's even at point blank, it's not penetrating skin. So it's yeah. being able to really efficiently carry that that level of force, which is just a testament to the the technology that goes into it. Plug in there that it's only these rounds, or are they gonna have to load it? Start with the shotgun empty and load it up with these rounds in the moment of crisis to be absolutely sure that it's only these rounds in the gun. Because otherwise, how would you know? How would you know with 100% certainty if you don't check in the moment that you only have these less lethal rounds in the shotgun? So what he's talking about here is is that there's going to be this massive confusion about what kind of rounds I have in my shotgun, and whether they're the, the burn a 12-gauge kinetic or whether they're some lethal buckshot uh, you know, or slug. And, and he says, you need to check in the moment, and nobody's going to check in the moment. Luan, I carried a gun on my hip uh, you know, for, for a long, long time, and I, I worked for a department where if you're working the street, we pulled, pulled our guns almost every day, pretty close to every day for one reason or another. You know how many times I press checked that gun when I pulled it out and pointed at somebody? Zero. Because I had control of that weapon the whole time. The whole time I'd go home, it'd go in the safe, it'd come out of the safe, it'd go in my belt, and I'd go to work. And I understood that, hey, I loaded this. I had control of it the whole time. You know, my, my rebuttal to this is, are you just going to load this gun with whatever you're going to load it with and then give it to everybody, throw it in the car? You know, basically, if you don't have that kind of control over your firearm to, to say, hey, I, remember, I loaded kinetic rounds in there the last time, but <laughs> who knows what happened in between now and then, th- th- that's, that's extraordinarily reckless. That's extra- I, I, and- I'll give this to him, Josh. This is the one point where I kind of agree with him, right? Meaning that if you have a shotgun and you have, you know, and it's a barrel, single barrel, and you're you load five rounds, and he's saying like, if you load three Berno twelve gauge and two plugs, are you going to remember through the adrenaline and all that? Oh yeah, I would agree in that manner too. Yeah, that's fair. Yes, um, but back to your point, I have Delta KSG. And if those who are out there that know what this Celtic history shotgun is, it has dual chambers where you can load in the in one chamber my side, or in my case, the left chamber is burn a seven thousand of the burn a twelve gauge. And the right side is what I call stairway to heaven. But you know, it requires a manual switch to you know go from less lethal to lethal. And so I'm not worried about counting the rounds. If I run out of rounds and I'm not counting because I'm just trying to deal with the threat, I know that I'll go and you know, click and then I can switch over and then we, we uh, go into a different conversation. But the importance of that is I would have proven that I deployed less lethal before having to escalate to lethal because that aspect of it is going to save me in the court of law if I take the life of an intruder in my home and have to, you know, rationalize why I made those decisions. And so that's what he needs to understand in all of this is as gun people, we advocate to other gun owners, you know, apply the proper amount of force because you may think you're protecting your family in that one incident, 
But if it's proven to be anything but man, uh, uh, self-defense, you could be sitting in a cell a very long time, and no one, you definitely not family after that. Yeah, and and you know, I I know we're gonna get a lot of uh, well, not a lot, but we'll get some flack, uh, you know, back from well, you know, if somebody's in my house, the only thing they're getting is you know, an ounce of lead in the face. So you also have to understand that. Me and Luan come from very different backgrounds, and we come from very different geographical places. I mean, Luan, you grew up and spent a lot of your time in California. I have grown up and spent the vast majority of my adult life in Texas, where laws are very, very different. And we ha- we have these people out here that that have that that take, and I get it, and that's your opinion, and that's probably based a lot on your geography and where you live. But you have to look outside and realize that that's not everyone's reality, unfortunately. And you know, they don't have that luxury either by where they live or they've made that decision. I respect the hell out of people that say, I may live in a place where that's okay. I don't know that I would be okay with myself if I had to do that. And so I'm choosing not to. Man, I respect the hell out of you for at least having that conversation with yourself and and understanding that that hesitation is going to get you or somebody else killed. So you're going to take you know, another great route and a great option. So yeah, now for all those people that want to, that want to sit out there and say, I'd never, I'd never put a less lethal shotgun on my home. Just take a second, take a step back and think outside of, you know, of your, your, your bubble there. And, and there, there are just other places that exist and other thought processes. Well, I would just say like, you know, I have, as you know, I've got my, or received my gun treated by some former, ex-former special forces in the mountain of Oregon. And these guys that when they saw the 12 gauge have literally put that as part of their home defense strategy for a lot of different reasons. And so just to say, like, if someone steps in your house and you resort as your first response, a lethal response, you're putting a lot of risk. What if that's a, a friendly it, absolutely. Yeah. You you better have done the training. You better you know understand target identification. Uh, you better understand uh, you know penetration, all that good stuff uh, to have to have made that decision. But have you created in that other person's mind a reasonable fear of imminent deadly force harm? Because if you have, you've checked all the boxes for aggravated assault. Whether it's an inert solid gun, whether it's a burner gun, whether it's a real gun, whether it's not a gun at all, whether it's your hand in your hoodie pocket with the finger pointed out to make it look like you have a gun. What matters is not what you're actually doing for aggravated assault. The crime of assault is a crime of the mental state of the victim. I, I cannot understand how the law of assault can be so construed as to think that you can be arrested for assault, for uh, basically uh, offending them and believing that they're offended is basically what he's saying. That assault is a crime of the mind because someone thinks they were assaulted. Let me tell you, and, and mind you, I get it, laws are different in, 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 in different states, but the biggest element, uh, you know, you've got several elements in order to meet a crime. The biggest element of assault is pain, is that the victim felt some sort of pain. We're not talking about mental anguish. That's what civil lawsuits are for. We're talking about some sort of physical pain. I mean, this can even be some pushing somebody. Yes. Is pushing somebody unprovoked an assault? Yeah, it is. Because pushing them, they felt some sort of pain in, in during, that, during that action. 
but making someone think that they are going to be assaulted is not assault. It is not a crime of the mind. So pointing this and pointing a burna at someone is cannot be construed as aggravated assault. It just, it just, in order to in order to commit aggravated assault, you need to cause serious bodily, uh, serious bodily injury or death or the threat of serious bodily injury or death. None of which can be can you use a less lethal tool to, to do that? So I, this is just absolutely well, ludicrous. With that logic, can I sue for aggravated assault? Just, all of this is hurting my mind. Yeah, I'm, I have been assaulted. <laughs> I have been assaulted by this guy, clearly. Unbelievable, but back to our original point. The burnout should not be used in an aggressive manner. If you do so, you will be breaking the law. And those, and I would highly advise our customers who are lawfully defending themselves use your mouth. And what I mean by that is, if someone is threatening you, you should vocally communicate, stand back, I don't want any trouble, I will defend myself, I will defend myself, you are threatening me, please stop what you're doing. And so the importance of that is, and I think he mentioned like, well, what if some bystanders looking at you and you have a pistol and the other guy doesn't, and he, going to shoot you because he thinks he's defending that guy. So that will solve that problem, right? And then, more importantly, in the day and age of everyone having their smartphones, people will naturally pull up their phones and hit the record button. And that is your evidence. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we teach law enforcement on the law enforcement side. And a lot of those lessons can be, you know, directly translated over to the civilian side. On the law enforcement side, if you've ever seen them deploy a less lethal device, they'll generally, you'll, you'll hear them vocalize, less lethal, less lethal, less lethal. And the whole point is just what you said. So that everybody around them, including any other cops around them that have guns and have firearms, understand that that next bang they hear is coming from a less lethal device. And it communicates that to everyone, not just the other cops, but the public as well. And, and there's... You know, that's it's such like I said, you can directly kind of translate that over to the civilian side and just what you're saying by, you know, making sure you vocalize what's going on and vocalize your intentions, vocalize what you're wanting them to do so that they comply. Uh, where we have rampant auto theft because the governor basically made auto theft a non-crime. So now we're one of we're the auto theft capital in the country, the Denver area. Uh, a man saw his car being stolen, ran out with his gun, and says he fired at the car thieves because he believed they were firing at him. He shot and killed one of the car thieves, and now he's been arrested and charged with murder. The car owner. So, these are risks. So, I, I think this is a great example to wrap up on uh, as well. You know, in this instance, he he talks about a case where Somebody utilized deadly force where it was not warranted, and sure enough, you know, he gets prosecuted, uh, you know, because it was an excessive use of force. And I, I can't help to think about, man, what if he had another option? What if that guy had a lesser force option available in order to stop that crime without, you know, causing serious bodily injury or death? Would he be in jail? And the, the obvious answer is no. I'm so confused, Josh. Just 
Did he just make our, our claim for our class? That's, you know, that's... Did he what we're doing here? Yeah, you know, and he, he pretty much closes his video with, with this example, and I just want to reach out and say, you know, thanks. That's exactly what we're trying to do here is is get people to understand that the, the 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 chance of them having to utilize deadly force in the course of their life is is so so minuscule. You're, I mean, you literally are better off winning the lottery. More people win the lottery than have to utilize deadly force in the course of their lives. So, it, and I'm not saying it can't happen to you, and I'm not saying it might it, it may happen or it may not. The the but what we do know is that statistically, you're much more likely to have to utilize some other type of force than deadly force in the course of your of your life. So why would you not play the statistics and have that option available and only have the option available for the you know the least likely scenario? And I get it. You know, if that comes up, you want to be able to have that that uh, that option, and that's and that's something that you have to weigh. But uh, you know, once again, it's it's all about having those options, and this case really kind of proves up. I mean, I, as a gun owner, I would consider myself a gun collector. I would never. I like to say, I like to say, like you know, I have six six hours, but my burn is coming out of my bag first, right? And so you look at what he's preaching is he's advocating for gun use, gun use. Whatever happens, you're done. That's the solution. And the reality is 99.9% of the time you need that solution. Yeah. So why would you be advocating that? Is it maybe he's a businessman, but you know, when more people shoot other people, then maybe I get more clients. But I, I don't know. It's just an assumption. But you know, Look, in this day and age where we have social media and these platforms to pontificate, I think we need to do ourselves as society a favor of putting out responsible content. And for us, you know, we're about educating folks about being responsible when it comes to defending yourself. And there are so many different types of situations that require different types of force. We would advocate bringing out the burner third, from my perspective. Use your mouth. I don't want any trouble. So we're good. If that doesn't work, use your legs. Run away. And if you have no other option, if you're cornered, pull out your burner. And if you have something that can take your life, then pull out your lethal weapon. And so, like, that's my protocol. And I don't say I don't recommend that for others. But that's how I would logically progress in my escalation of force strategy. So, you know, be responsible. Um, and if you are a gun owner, from one gun owner to the next, you, you don't need another pistol in the arsenal. You got to have a balance in what you pull out. And I think the burnout was, when I found out about the launchers, it was a no brainer because that was one option I didn't have. And in a less lethal space, it was something that I wasn't comfortable with, that I offered too close a proximity to my potential attacker, pepper spray or whatever. And so this giving me more distance to operate. And one of the best videos I've ever seen, Josh, is the transition video, right? Transition to from less lethal to lethal. And I think, you know, we clocked you at one second or whatever. Not a second. Yeah, a little over a second, 1.3. 
a mortal like myself, two seconds. You know, so but okay. it's just I about mean, how much training you want to do. Right? It's just about how much training you want to do. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, so I, I think that. Uh, you know, once again, it's all about it's all about having options, and I think this is a great. And you you really hit the nail on the head when you talk about education. One of the things that we've really you and I both have have really set our sights on and had a goal is to to educate Burner Nation as much as we can, not just about our products, but about uh, their how do you how you use force and how you can have force options and how there's so many more different ways. Uh, to, to keep yourself safe. And so I would I would charge Burn a Nation with, you know, making sure that to hold us to that. If you see videos like this, or if you have questions on, hey man, this this guy who seems to be a respectable figure or, you know, he does a lot of a lot of this stuff or he does a lot of education out there is saying this and I, I question this, let us know. Uh, and let us, you know, kind of put that in context for you. We're probably going to agree with a lot of it. And say, yeah, that might be some great, that might be some great stuff. But otherwise, you know, we can definitely point you in the direction to say, hey, this might be a better option for you. So I charge you, Burner Nation. If you see some stuff like that, you have questions, man, reach out to us. Let us know. We can uh, we can definitely do a video like this uh, and make sure that everybody uh, everybody's educated. Right. Well, I have a message for Andrew, my brother. I appreciate. That you're advocating, you know, knowledge about firearm usage, but before you form such strong opinions, I invite you to come out and test and test drive the platform. Like so many different folks, they're blown away by what this product can offer. Every citizen, give them an opportunity to defend themselves, and I'm pretty confident that you will walk away more knowledgeable, and I'm pretty confident that you change position uh, about where Brenna plays in the whole paradigm of self-defense, and you know, we'll take it from there. And if you don't want to come out, if you want to continue this conversation, let's do it live. Let's do this town hall. Let's have people join in this conversation, and we welcome all types of perspectives. If you're adamantly against us, or what we're trying to you know, introduce into society to save lives, we're all about it. Let's, let's talk it out. But, you know, this discussion is a two-way street, so don't shut us out. Call Amen. me. We'll very, very well said, Luan. Burning Nation, uh, thanks for joining us yet again. Make sure that you are following us on uh, both YouTube and, and then, of course, Instagram and Facebook as well, and subscribing to our content uh, so that you'll be the first to be notified when it comes out. And make sure you're downloading our podcast, Burn is Hot Take at all major podcast platforms uh, so that if the time comes, you are prepared to defend. <laughs>